You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah at gmail.com, and, of course, I will answer as many as I can. So, you know, this week's Torah portion, for some people, this is the pinnacle. We have Mount Sinai, we have the two tablets with Moses, and we have the Ten Commandments. And in my time, it's a lot that I could never, I mean, I could tell you all ten, but we could never really talk that much about so many commandments on one show. So I get to pick and choose. And this week, we're going to try to touch on two of them, but our first focus is going to be on honoring your father and mother, which is apropos because my son um, just had his first child, a daughter, healthy and well, thank God, and uh, at least we've seen some pictures. She doesn't have a name yet. We're working on it. Uh, Well, I'm not working on it. I am the grandfather, so I get to just sit back and enjoy, but supposedly they're working on it. Um, I hope by uh, the Sabbath they'll have come up with a name and we'll have named that child, and then I will have a name for that granddaughter, and I accept all Mazel Tovs. Thank you very much. So let's talk about honoring parents. So first of all, the placement of honoring parents is interesting. As we have two tablets, the first five are spiritual, uh, believe in God, no idol worship, not uh, swearing in God's name in vain, keeping the Sabbath. You got the second group, uh, no murder, no adultery, no kidnapping, uh, um, can't be a false witness, jealousy. So the first tablet is spiritual, right? More between man and God. The second tablet is, you know, living as human beings in a world. So where does honoring parents come in? So it is fascinating that honoring parents is on the first tablet. Why is honoring parents on the first tablet? So, and this is something I think the concept we've talked about in the past And that is, I mean, again, you would think it should be a natural thing. You think it should be a pretty natural thing that people should know to honor their parents. And let's assume that naturally good people understand to honor their parents. But the Torah put in the Ten Commandments, right? You know, we talk about this top ten. Top ten? If this is top ten, you know, there's a lot of amazing commandments out there. Why? Does honoring parents make the top ten? And in the five of spirituality. So it goes like this. You know, we have a we have a we, we, we have a command, obviously, the first of the Ten Commandments. I am God, you have to love God, you have to fear God, you have to honor God. Well, the problem is I don't really know God. I, I can't see him, I can't touch him. You know, I can learn. 
to understand who God is and that I can prove to myself there must be a God and I can feel spirituality and I can I, I, I know when I study his Torah and I do his commands I feel good about it and that feeling good comes from a soul inside of me but I don't really have it's hard to put my finger on it so what happens like this there are three partners in every child there is the father and the mother, right? Not having a child without a father and a mother. And there's God. So there's three parts to every child. So it's like this. If you could learn to honor your parents, who are two out of the three partners, then you can learn to honor the third partner, and that's God. Um, even though a person can think, it's amazing to think this way, um, and somebody who tried this once on a rabbi, probably more than once. I only know a story once. And that is the parents told the rabbi, you know, we know what God wants from our child, and we know what we want from our child. Aren't we the majority? A cute question at best. So the truth is a silly question because the fact that any of us are alive is only because of our is because of God and God keeps us alive and takes care of us and and our parents are only alive because God was a partner. And them, right? And God keeps them alive. So it's really a, a, a pretty much a silly question. But you can imagine it, right? And uh, and there have been people mathematically that show the parents that, that really God is the main partner since he keeps us all alive and, and everything that happens to us in this world is because of God. So therefore, God becomes, even though he's only one of the three, but really he's the majority partner. Fine. So um, it says like this, very interesting. This concept that I just told you that God is the majority partner. In other words, we can have partners in a business, but everybody can understand that sometimes one of those partners is what makes everything work and what keeps everything going. And therefore he or she is the majority partner. So... Um, so I saw a story like the famous parable from the from the Dubdamagid. Dubdamagid was famous. We've talked about him in the past. He would give parables, or in Hebrew the word is a mushal. And, and he would use his parables to help us relate to how we should be and how we should act. So he tells a mushal about three brothers, all very smart people. And they decided, you know, they're going to go away each for two years, they're going to open up their minds to different concepts and different ideas and different cultures. And they're going to each learn something amazing. And they're going to come back to their hometown after two years and see what each of them has uh, created, discovered, figured out. They all disappear. Two years later, all the brothers come back. And they're each there to show what they've discovered. So one brother says, you know, I, I got involved in optics and the eye and vision and sight, and I have created the most amazing telescope. It bends light. It has the ability to see not just thousands of miles away. It sees around the world. It sees, it can see, it, you got to know where to focus, you got to know where to look, and, and you got to know how to turn the dials and uh, again, it's just a story, okay? Don't get too carried away, right? But uh, it can see all over, and I play with it, and I, I see things around the world. It's amazing. Wow. The next brother says, you know, I've been uh, 
in countries where, where they learn to travel, and it's amazing. They've learned to fly. I've created this machine that can fly. It can go anywhere in the world. Mountains don't get in the way. Rivers, oceans, nothing gets in the way. I can go wherever we want. We're there in a nick of time. Wow. And the third brother, he says, you know, I've been more involved in herbs and 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 medicine and and I've created this potion. This potion cures everything. It's amazing. Okay, so the brothers settle down to whatever they're used to doing. And one day, the brother who created the telescope says, Guys, you never believe what I discovered. There is a faraway kingdom. And the king's daughter, the princess, his only daughter, is very ill. And they're bringing doctors and doctors, and no one can cure her. But uh, if we can cure her, right, we'll get to marry, you know, we can marry the king. He's offering his daughter's hand in marriage to anybody who can save his daughter. So where is this place? Oh, this place is very far. So the brother with the flying machine says, okay, guys, give me the coordinates. Tell me where it is. Put me in the right direction, and we'll be there in no time. And sure enough, they all get into their whatever this flying contraption was. You know, that Dubdamagi lived in the, in the late 1700s. So you can understand when he's telling you over the story, a flying contraption was something that was beyond comprehension. And they go and they get there in a record time and, and uh, they all they get, make their way to the king and the brother with the potion says, uh, says Your Majesty, I, I, I've, we've heard that your daughter is very sick. I've created a potion that cures everything. So the king says, Look, everybody else has tried, nothing to lose. So he, they take the potion, they go to the, to the princess and they administer the potion and uh, two days later, the princess is actually up and around, completely healed. It is a miracle. Wow. So the king says, you know, we got a problem here. I mean, I said that whoever takes care of my daughter uh, will be able to marry her. But you, if not for the one with a telescope, you guys wouldn't have known about my daughter. And if not for your flying contraption, you would have never gotten here. And of course, if not for the medicine, you wouldn't have healed her. So who wins? Who is the one, who is the one that is responsible, that is taking, that should be allowed to marry my daughter? And they couldn't come up with a good answer. So the king says, you know, my daughter's a pretty smart girl. Let's ask her. So they bring her in, they bring in the princess, and she thanks them all, of course, because if not for your telescope, you wouldn't have known I was sick. And if not for your flying contraption, you never would have gotten here. And if you're not for your potion, I wouldn't be standing here. But now that I'm standing here, I need to think about my future. And the telescope's not helping my future to stay healthy. And the flying machine is not helping my future to stay healthy. But if I ever get sick again, I need the third brother's potion. Therefore, even though it's true, without the first two, I wouldn't be here either. I'd be dead by now. But the fact is, for my future life, I need that medicine. Therefore, I will marry the brother who created that medicine. And it's the same thing with parents and God. You're right. No father, no mother, right? We know the birds and the bees. No father, no mother. We wouldn't exist. But what's keeping us going? 
What's con- what? What is the cause of our continued existence? What keeps us healthy? What takes care of us? And what is our future all about? That is God, and therefore God is the majority partner. Okay. So let's talk some things about honoring. It's interesting in the Torah. There's there's the positive of honoring parents, and there is the negative of fearing parents, and they're two different sets of laws. Honoring is is through positive actions, through feeding parents, through um, clothing parents, right? Through taking care of parents. That all goes in the category of honor, and it's not contradicting parents. That's a negative, right? Um, not standing in their place, not sitting in there where, where they normally sit, not taking their seat. Um, that's all the negative. We're talking positive. Positive is honoring parents, doing for parents. Whatever doing means. And doing is calling up and saying hello and making them feel good and uh, showing caring concern. And if they need something, it's getting it for them. And if they have to get somewhere, it's taking them where they need to get. That's all part and parcel of honoring parents. And when we honor parents, like I told you, the idea of honoring parents should have been automatic. Why? Because that's the concept of gratitude. I'm here because of my parents. If I'm here because of my parents, then then gratitude says that I have to be able to help them. I have to take care of them. I have to do what they ask. That's part of gratitude. Now, it is interesting. Um, when, we, when we think about gratitude, you know, sometimes a, a person does you such a big favor, really the gratitude should be everything. The problem is that sometimes the person did you such a big favor that you are so embarrassed that the person did you this favor, you, you go to the opposite extreme. You don't like the person anymore. You don't want to help this person. You don't want to see this person because you're embarrassed for all, for that special favor that that person did for you, which is not nice, by the way, but that may be human nature. However, with parents, it's not that way, if you think about it. right? When it comes to parents, yeah, my parents do the biggest favors, and if I need the biggest favor, I expect my parents to take care of me and do that biggest favor for me, and there's nothing wrong. It's very beautiful. It's hopefully, children are never embarrassed that their parents did them the most amazing favor that if somebody else would have done it for them, they'd be embarrassed to see that person. But we're not embarrassed when we when our parents do us a favor, which is which is first of all, it's beautiful, and second of all, it, it makes it that much easier that there's no good excuse to not show proper gratitude when it comes to honoring parents because yeah they've done you the biggest favors they've they've taken care of you they've raised you if you have your own children it gives you an inkling of uh, of what your parents did for them and you're emotionally involved and and unfortunately children sometimes will not honor parents in an appropriate way you know part of it by the way um and I know a lot of people do it and I can't I can't stand it. I hate it. Um, I know a lot of people that will refer to their parents by their first name, almost like their best buddies and their friends. You know, I grew up, it was it was unheard of, even today, right? Friends of my parents, I have difficulty 
calling them by their first name. I was raised that these are not your friends, right? These are, you know, these are not your contemporaries. These are a generation above you. You have to show proper respect. Okay, that's how I was raised. The thought that I could ever call a parent by a first name is just impossible. It's just something that I could, I can't even wrap my head around how people could do it. Because the problem is, if you could call your parents by their first name, well, then they're your friend. If they're your friend, if they do something you don't like, you could tell them. You could uh, send zingers their way. You could talk to them inappropriately. You could belittle them. You could put them down. That's what happens when all of a sudden the titles go away and we just look at parents as a friend, which is nice. They could be your friend. It's nice. But if they're your, if they're your equal, if they're your friend, then you don't have to honor them. Then you don't have to show gratitude for them. Then you, 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 you don't, it's the opposite of honor. You don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to look at them with, with a respect. You certainly don't have to fear them. So that idea is something that when, when children can call parents by a first name, I believe it creates a terrible situation. It's almost like the people who ever started it did it on purpose. It's like a lot of things. Um, the idea of honor and in, in this country of recognizing who has to be honored is, uh, is lacking. You know, I've been teaching my class a lot. It's something that's, that, I, that I found to be very important for my class. The, the, the word, there's a word in Hebrew, zaken. Zaken means an elder. It talked about the 70 elders. While in America, I see it all the time, the old man. By saying the old man, that means he has no value. You belittled him. He doesn't have to be honored. He doesn't have to be taken care of. I told my class today we were talking about um, we talking about this concept. It's come up a few times, and uh, and I tell him I said I gave an example to one of the children. I said, you know, your grandparents are alive. Thank God, it's a beautiful thing. And I'm not saying that your grandparents are are important people uh, or officers or generals or or titans of uh, of commerce or wealthy multimillionaires or governors. You're, your grandparents are not any, any of those things. They're really just regular, normal people. But you love them. You respect them. You honor them because they're your grandparents. And that's the way it should be. That's the way children should be taught how to react to parents. And, and people that are older, they have to understand these people are special. They need to be honored. They deserve to be honored. So if you honor your parent, then you'll understand the concept of honoring elders, you'll, and, and then that'll lead right into honoring God. That's ho- the whole idea. But as soon as you don't have to honor your parents, well, you don't have to, if you don't have to honor your parents, you for sure don't have to honor anybody else. Younger, older, important, even the office of the president, right? You gotta, it, it deserves honor. So that's, that's uh, I hope, something we can take away from this week's story portion. But here comes my music. I hope you enjoyed it, short and sweet. Thank you, of course, to our wonderful sponsors and listeners. You know, I can't do it without you. Thank you to our wonderful production team. We have Kelsey back and Alan helping her. I hope I've left you some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. And until next time, don't forget to think about it. Build. Every room inside is filled